Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm happy to have on Sarah Newberry, one of my wonderful colleagues in the massage industry. Sarah, can you give people a little bit of information about yourself, maybe background, and then also where they can contact you? You bet. Um, I'm Sarah Newberry. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Let's see, I've been in the industry since 2007, and um, I've been doing mostly solely barefoot massage for a long, long time, since 2011. So um, I primarily practice with my feet. Um, I am a continuing education provider, and I have a a business here in St. Louis that is um, completely employee-based. Nice. Oh, and yeah. you can contact me either Facebook, um, Instagram at Soulshine Barefoot Massage, uh, which is my company for clients, or um, MidwestMassageTraining.com. Nice. So you have a different website for your business where you're seeing clients and a different one for the training? Yes, correct. So, Sarah, you and I have had a chance to connect. I taught at your facility in St. Louis, which was great. It was my first visit there. It was really wonderful. Um, You and I have had a fairly strong resonance, kind of keep in touch about future classes, which the dates of which in 2020 we'll go ahead and figure out after the podcast. Um, What uh, topics did you kind of want to delve into today? Oh, my. We could talk about all kinds of things. Robert, you're always one of my favorites to talk to because you uh, have very strong opinions, which I always appreciate. And I think our our industry needs some of that um, vigor, if you will. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely guilty of the the vinegar phase of like social media marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I always I always find it funny whenever I see people um, online critique your marketing methods and and I'm like, well, you guys are totally just going right into what you're what Robert's trying to create here conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a little while when you deal with social media past a certain level. Once you realize that people somebody didn't like something you said, and there's a 200 long comment thread that you're not involved in that yeah. you walk into where they're talking about you. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Can we, can we get this to be 400 comments? Long? Right, right. I actually just witnessed one of those a couple of weeks ago, I think. And someone finally tagged you probably like comment 198 or something like that. And it was like, oh, and now Robert actually gets to defend himself or gets to talk about what he's actually doing versus this other community of people talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a certain level of transparency I deal with where I think there are educators in the industry that you could have a conversation about what they teach and they wouldn't even pay attention to the thread necessarily. But I'm so active on social media that when somebody does contact me, I think um, the barrier of entry, it means that anybody can write me. They can write me and ask me a question, and I have a vested business interest in making sure that when somebody writes me an email, that they actually think that I'll respond to it. I have a vested business interest in responding to people who are potential customers in some way. Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, topics, 
we had kind of discussed it sounded like me too sex trafficking sex trade crap that keeps like budding into our industry is there something specific that just kind of sticks in your craw that you want to talk about first well i do think that there are a lot of people talking about it right now um and i think that that's great i think that one of the things that's most important is that we are having the conversation and that we continue the conversation in like a semi-respectful way but also um people need to be having an opinion and having um, the conversation. So even whenever things get heated, whether it's in real life or on social media, I think it's important to push through and have the conversation because we're not going to get anywhere if we're not talking about it. Um, and I also think that, you know, that whole saying that quote, that if you keep doing the same thing, um, like the definition of an insanity or whatever, and keep expecting the same results, it's, it, you know, as an industry, at some point, I see forward motion, but it's slow. And um, I think if we want to actually get somewhere, we really need to have the conversation, have the tough conversation, have the conversation that doesn't always feel so great and maybe a little bit prickly, um, because we that's how we get somewhere. Um, so I think that something that's been coming up for me recently and a couple of my other colleagues is you know, these ideas of like creeper calls and people wanting other things and how do we separate ourselves and how do we, you know, um, how do we be respected? How do we be professionals um, whenever there's this other industry, whether it's legal or not, there's this other industry that does provide the services that these other people are seeking. How do we differentiate ourselves? How do we work together? How do we collaborate? How do we separate? So that's kind of um, what I've been thinking a lot about lately. I'm a, I'm a big fan of taking the bull by the horns, and especially with women in the industry, colleagues like you, I always go, take out your phone, make social media content, better blog posts, educate people, and become a leader in your community to this point where you can't take new clients mm -hmm. and then the problem for you completely clears up. Mm -hmm. And then also you're able to provide for your family, do the things you want to do. It's a frustrating situation, but it's a little bit like the systemic issue hits our industry. And I only feel like I can control what's maybe going on within my practice, within this industry, trying to hit it at a larger socio-political level just seems useless. I can complain on Twitter all day long about the sex trade, uh, you know, pro and con. It's not going to really do anything. Um, it right. maybe bolsters my opinion and that people pat me on the back and tell me I'm correct. It doesn't really change a woman's position in the massage marketplace on the street tomorrow. My students will ask me 80% of the women um, or 80% of the industry. I think generally I hear numbers and statistics are women. So when women ask me in class, how do they keep themselves safe? Oh, I have to try to give them something actionable they can do in the midst of this systemic issue and i can't do anything about this systemic issue other than you know just control my behavior well i just in that like little piece that you gave i saw two big things going on one i think that um 
we, you said, get involved with your community. And um, in St. Louis, there are a lot of massage therapists. Um, it, it's kind of, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of us. And I think that it's important for us to invest in our community on a small scale and a big scale. So get involved with the organizations, get involved with your other colleagues around the neighborhood. Um, once a month, <clears throat> I host the coffee hour here where I ask the massage therapist to come in and we talk a lot about these different issues. Like what, how do you get clients like business stuff to, I have this client that has this thing. How do I help them to, how do I keep myself safe? You know, you, our industry tends to be private and silent. You know, we, we work alone. We work in a small room, dark usually with, with our client. It's really, if I could encourage anybody to do anything is like, go connect with your other massage therapists in your area, but then also go on a national level, get out of your community and see what other people are doing in other cities. Um, whether that's just online, you know, one of the, th I'm in the Midwest. So like there's a ton of small towns and massage therapists are always like, but I'm the only one. And, um, well, that's what the internet's for. <laughs> so reach out to your community, like get involved. The other thing that, um, I think is worth, uh, discussing is the sort of fear-based education that I see a lot of people have. Um, now that I'm a continuing education provider, I see a lot of students from a lot of different schools and a lot of different kinds of schools. Um, and the one thing that, well, there's lots of things that are could be improved in that realm, but the one thing that I hear a lot of people talk about is, you know, how, like, the, there is a, either a lot of conversation about what to do if someone is creepy or someone is um, inappropriate or it's the opposite where it's like, well, we never talked about that. So I think there's a lot of fear placed in, into massage therapists in the very beginning about, oh, this, this is a thing that could happen. Someone can come in and try to assault you and... Um, what this is what you should do about it take no take no crap you know to take no like you know just do not like don't take anything of it and it's and it, there's like another piece of the conversation that i'm not seeing anywhere that involves the client that's asking for these inappropriate um services yeah you know, i'm not saying that we should we should respect those people i want to be very clear about that we definitely need to make sure that they're not coming into our, our facilities. However, um, we still need to think about them being clients, not in, we need to think about them being people, other human beings. And so maybe we could find a way to like, I'm not saying help them, but like find what they're actually searching for and what they're actually seeking. And then they will leave us alone. So I think that, um, I think one of the issues is that we have a lot of fear being taught and placed in, into us in the very beginning. You know, this is, this is very dangerous and you want to stay away from it. I'm not saying you should open your doors to problems. I'm not saying you should open your doors to um, welcome these people in by any means. However, I think that it's important that there's another side of the conversation about fear. So if we're fearing these people, if we're fearing these, um, how to, like, you know, you said, how do I keep myself safe? If you're afraid, we need to talk about how to avoid that situation to begin with, but then also working with the people that do provide what those people are looking for. Does that make sense? Am I saying 
something that makes I think sense. so. I mean, I think you're saying it in a, what maybe is a little more politically correct way. The problem is, as a massage therapist, you can't refer out for prostitution services. Mm. And that's the conversation that's not being had. And I feel like, to some degree, sex workers are being shamed instead yeah. of acknowledges like, hey, listen, regardless of how you feel about it legally, morally, ethically, it happens. It's exactly. going to continue to happen. It's the world's oldest profession. The challenge is I can't in good confidence take a client who's looking for that service and say, hey, listen, that's not what I do, but you could go here. The client right. just wants what they want. Yeah. You know, it's like, but I can't really in good conscience like refer them on. Well, but I think it's a part of understanding, you know, there, there's obviously, okay, if we were talking about prostitution or sex work, um, there's probably a wide variance of the kind of person who seeks that service out. Someone who's, you know, really just like maybe they're not touched very often and massage would be sufficient enough, but they don't, they don't know that because our world is hypersexualized um, to the person who is really seeking like something dangerous. Um, but I think that there are people out there now um, there are industries that aren't necessarily prostitution, but other industries that actually help these people figure that out. Like, what are you trying to um, seek through through seeking out a massage therapist for these illicit services? Um, and those things are starting to pop up very slowly, but I'm starting to see them. And I really think that as massage therapists, and if we want to be progressive, we need to align ourselves with those people helping other people find what they're looking for. Does that, you, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like functionally how that actually works, but. Right. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of more in the therapist realm, like a mental health therapist, you know, or like a life coach kind of thing where they're really working with people from a, talk therapy standpoint or like, you know, we're going to discuss these things and um, kind of help you decide like what you actually need in your life. Oh, and again, I'm to a degree, a little more outside the conversation. The other challenge I have as an educator is um, I teach a style of work that is completely closed on mat based that can be done publicly. But then I'm constantly, as an educator, bombarded with the sexualization of the service. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have that problem. Like, I've changed the service. The service looks more like physical therapy or you're going to see a chiropractor than it does a massage. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, various uh, components and cultural complexity about how do I provide information for women to keep themselves safe, again, while dealing with a larger systemically uh, cultural issue. Yeah, that's, I mean, we too um, do Thai-clothed bodywork and, um, or Thai-styled, I guess. And um, I, I think that there, there are concerns with, not concerns, but there are things with that too, because I think some clients um, are, Thai massage is way more, like open, like there, it's way more out there than a lot of other bodywork options. Um, so a lot of clients really know about that, but I think sometimes, um, 
they're they're a little bit hesitant because it's on the floor. Because like I'm not going to get that rub down feeling that I get from like a Swedish style massage. So I think that um, we have to kind of consider those people too. In you know, like if someone's seeking a Swedish style massage, like how do you provide that whenever you're doing closed body work on the floor? Well, in, in my case, I don't. And that's what right. therapists have failed to understand. It's like, I'm not saying that that's bad, by the way. I'm not saying that consumers won't be looking for that because they are. Yeah. The challenge for me as a male therapist was people weren't necessarily going to trust me in a private, dark room getting naked. Yes. But when I transitioned the service towards pain relief, which is what I really wanted to work on, mm -hmm. I totally minimize effleurage and I go straight towards pain relief. I don't even as much these days promote Thai massage as I do. You got pain? Come on in. Yeah. Then I'm in sort of a different category. But as a larger issue in the industry, I think part of the reason Massage Envy grew is in part Massage Envy as a brand was trusted as not providing sex services. It helped normalize and um, create that hour or 90-minute service and the public's consciousness because when you were going to an individual facility, you didn't know whether it was a prostitution den or a massage facility. Right. So I had to you know, use social media on my own to kind of build a, a brand, build a client base, to be able to do that. We'll take a quick break. So guys, uh, I'm Robert Gardner, and if you are interested in purchasing workbooks or DVDs, you can buy these a la carte or as a package on my website, robertgardnerwellness.com. Uh, the full package, I believe, is 450 if you're in the continental United States. We ship uh, these workbooks and DVDs. It winds up being 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs of core content. In addition, we have a subscription service called the Reboot Insiders Club. There are 450 hours of my online education available there for you and the vault. You'll also get six hours of CE credit. Your first month is absolutely free. Again, you can check out both of those at robertgardnerwellness.com. Hey, y'all, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Uh, I just want to come in here and say hello to everybody. We know that there's a little bit of a technical issue going on with uh, the feed with with um, Sarah Newberry and, and and her incoming thing, but we're about to we're about to fix that right now. So give us a brief second, and we'll be right back into it. So um, one second.
So, Sarah, when we uh, discuss these issues and the sort of systemic issues in the culture at large, we can really only influence, I think, our small sphere, which is amongst massage therapists. Um, what else do you have to say about that specifically? Because I'm more interested in what women are dealing with and, again, trying to be an ally to help women feel safe in their chosen profession, even if that's primarily effleurage. It's just I find it to be a very daunting situation. Well, as a woman, um, I don't really feel, I don't know if I'm really the right person even to, to tell anybody else what to um, do. The only thing I would say is to be an ally, really, it's about understanding the issues that we, that we deal with on a greater scale, but also in the massage community and, and with the clients. Um, that being said, I, I, I don't feel afraid. So that's why I say I don't know if I'm the best person to ask these kind of questions to, only because I sort of command the respect that I feel we all deserve. So if someone's going to, you know, say some weird things to me, I'm going to, like, shut it down right away because that's just kind of my personality and who I am. Um, that being said, you know, I think that um, the men in our industry have their own set of things that we need to support as well as women. Um, and I'm sure that I would love to hear you talk more about that too. Um, but I also think that the, like we need to be supporting each other, men and women, and we need to be supporting this on a greater, on a greater scale to some degree, whether that's legislation, getting involved with legislation on your state level or your or the national level. But like some of those things need to be happening too. Even though I agree with you that from a community standpoint, we can only really affect our small community directly sure. immediately, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just want I mean I don't want people to feel powerless, but you know, we're talking about a, a global systemic, you know, if you talk, start talking about sex trafficking, you're talking about immigration. You're talking about other yeah. countries. You're talking about a black market. Um, mostly what I've said for the past couple of years, and I don't scream it from the rafters, is uh, this was a very unpopular opinion. that The massage marketplace online, especially in Facebook groups, has seemed to have diversified as far as like comments and opinions over time. But I was not uh, looked upon favorably when I said, listen, the way you get this entire thing to clear up is by legalizing prostitution, regulating it, licensing it, it just the way massage therapy is. Yeah, And they're like, oh my God, no, this is horrible. Yeah. You can't. And I'm like, okay, then keep it in the black market and you get all the things that happen with the black market. I 110% agree with you. Um, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how many people are on board with that. Um, and I think that we, opinions like ours are, are definitely shunned. Um, but I think that I think that the thing that we need to remember with that is like whenever prostitution is legal, sex work is legal, then those people get the rights that they deserve and they get the the pieces that they need. You know, whether that's access to healthcare, access to STD testing, whatever, they can't get that if it's illegal. Yeah. It's it's a challenging you know situation. Um, again, I've won no fans because I'm generally against massage regulation across the board. Mm -hmm. That's a nuanced conversation that I think people don't quite understand. My perspective as an educator trying to travel around the United States, but it's 
got mixed complexity across jurisdictions. And for instance, like people say, well, you know, prostitution is legal in Las Vegas. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Prostitution is legal, I think, in like Henderson County, which is outside of Las Vegas. We all know what happens in Las Vegas, but, you know, the public and the community there is, is just allowed that to happen, however that does. There's a black market for things that I don't think can really be shut down at this stage. When it comes to massage therapists and avoiding, you know, illicit activity or uh, essentially avoiding Johns who are looking for a service, I usually encourage women to have a more thorough intake. Um, sometimes I encourage them to be able to have a more thorough written. Uh, if it's a new client, they have to have a phone call with them, you know, something along those lines. A lot of times what will happen in class, if this comes up, I'll kind of take a step back and go, ladies, can you tell me how you deal with it? Because I need, I need your perspective. I can talk all day, but I need your perspective specifically to try to lift up other women in the community. Well, and, and honestly, Robert, that right there is showing me how you are an ally because you could just try to mansplain me, right? You know, you could just be like, oh, well, this is how you do it. But the fact that you're asking other women, hey, how do you do it? That's, that is showing actually how you you are seeking allyship you know um i think that sometimes people confuse strong opinions with like mansplaining or like trying to um just dictate the way the conversation goes or whatever but uh like if you really remove that strong opinion that you have about like something totally completely different um you you know you're asking me like how do i do it and that that's showing me that you actually want to know you want to hear from me rather than just tell me how to do it because what's going to work for me may not work for a male therapist or someone else. Um, you know, I think, so I think that for the other male massage therapists out there and for the other female therapists, like, you know, part of the communication process is listening. So, you know, I would encourage everyone to not be afraid to say, well, what works for you and tell me about your experience. Um, because those things are all, um, very important and very, uh, that's how we move forward. Um, I mean, just the nature of the conversation when it comes to online scheduling, mm -hmm. um, before online scheduling, I'm assuming most people had to deal with it either on the phone or via conversation. Mm -hmm. So it changed the nature of connection. Once you added text messaging, Mm -hmm. Then you got a, an additional weird text layer. Yeah. People trying to feel you out in language yeah. that's more distant. So the person kind of feels more comfortable pushing the edges, you know, to find out in advance. You know, there's just complexity with how that conversation has changed because of technology itself. I have heard women say that they won't book new clients online, they have to have some sort of phone call to onboard that client. And I think that's one way of creating a little bit of a barrier, you know, for safety and also just to make sure it's an ideal client for your practice. I agree. However, I'll take it one step further back and say, go invest in your website because you, you know, those online schedulers are often just like plugins or HTML code or something like that. But if you invest in your website, um, you're going to get like 
the people who end up online booking are going to see your website and see that you are a professional versus like the free ABMP website or whatever, you know, like if there's anything I could say, start there. Like, and, and that's another thing that I see massage therapists and I get, I get the whole, um, capital and business and like not having enough funds for it. But if you can really invest in having a nice looking website that, that speaks about your professionalism, speaks about the type of person you're trying to attract into your studio, that's going to be a huge deterrent of someone online scheduling. Because I will also say that I too, I just recently started doing um, texting and I get, and I added it into my voicemail even where I said, Hey, you know, this is Sarah at Soulshine. We're not available at the moment, but send us a text because we're often in session and it's hard to connect on the phone. And that's just the day and age that we live in. Um, so I do get a lot of texts now. And I personally prefer that. I'm one of those like millennials or whatever that doesn't want to talk on the phone. Um, so that I've been asking myself these questions recently. Like, how do I screen these people but through text? Because I... I've found that some of the new clients don't want to, we're, we're all living in 2020 whenever it's convenience is key, right? So if they can't book right away, there's a good chance they're going to leave your site. Um, so if you're deterring the first time clients because of the fear that, that it could be someone unsavory, how is a better, a better different way to like get them in, but still like screen them. So, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions in the beginning, even if it is over text. Um, one thing to also consider is, you know, you said that people are often looking at they're reading things through language whenever you're talking about texting. But I think sometimes that people will, the unsavory folks will just like ask the unsavory questions because they're hiding behind a screen. So yeah. I, I get that a lot too, where I just walked in the other day and someone had sent a text that was like, I want a massage with a beautiful person with sexy toes. And we were, and I just, I'm not even going to reply to that. It's not worth my time. Can I, can you fly me up to St. Louis? I'll do it. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. I, 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 I kind of talked about it with some of my friends and I was like, so do you think I should send something back? And they sent me a bunch of pictures of like, you know, gross feet. And I was like, that's what I should send. But at the, at the end of the day, like, it's not really worth my time to do all that stuff. Ah, so yes. this is, <laughs> this is the glimpse that right. people need into the massage industry. This is the shit that women have to deal with because of people like, Oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and like, that's what I'm saying is, you can really feed into that and really like talk a lot about it and make a big thing about it. Or you can just like move on with your day and like take care of the people that you want to take care of, you know? And, um, I hope that person didn't like go find someone else or whatever. I hope they just like went away, but the likelihood of that is slim. Right. So, you know, it would be nice if we had some sort of consistency, what we were all doing, but like, that's not really feasible either. Um, so I, I take, I take online appointments, new people. Um, I, I will see a, a same day client if like the, if the situation is right, but I don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to, how to coordinate a time that I'm available and they're available to have a phone conversation or a consult. I'd rather just have an online form that they have to fill out, answer these 
questions. It's going to be a lot of health related questions. Um, cause I too work with a lot of people who are seeking pain relief. So I think that whenever you focus on that, the other stuff kind of goes away too. Yeah, to, to a point, um, just selling massage without having any specific niche, I think, puts a therapist in a more precarious position. Um, I will We'll take uh, just a quick break. Hold on to that, Sarah. Oh, hey guys, I'm reading comments uh, as I can um, here on the phone uh, as we're doing the podcast. I'll try to answer as I can. You can keep commenting there and I'll grab something uh, as I can. Uh, I can see well enough without my reading glasses to be able to pick it up. So feel free to ask us any questions while we're live. Boom. Hey, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. And, uh, this podcast is on the rocks a little bit, um, but we're figuring it out and we're going along the way. Some of it was my fault uh, from the from the introduction, but those things have been patched up. Uh, and it's pretty cool that you guys are in here and whatnot and saying hello. Um, some of this technology, we're trying to figure it out as we go. But for the uh, massage therapists out there that are interested in joining a awesome group, uh, Robert Gardner Wellness is currently doing a free trial on the Reboot Insiders Club. If you go to rgwellness.store slash free trial, you can take advantage of that free 30-day trial for new users. Um, there's 400-plus hours of video content with accompanying re reading material. And uh, if you want to check that out, again, it's rgwellness.store slash free trial uh, to take advantage of that. Back to Sarah and Robert in the studio. So, Sarah, go ahead and reintroduce yourself uh, where they can contact you. And then please continue with what you were saying. Uh, you might have to remind me what we were saying. But I, but anyway, I'm Sarah Newberry. <laughs> um, I... I am in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm a continuing education provider, and I own a, a studio of W-2 employees. Um, I, I primarily do barefoot massage and use my feet. Nice. So uh, we were talking about the fact that when massage therapists are just selling massage, oh, that's yeah. the key hitting they're not really specializing. I think it puts them in a position where they're a little, I don't want to say they're less safe, I think the public is a little more murky in what they're actually providing. I think that I think that you're exactly right. I think that when a massage therapist tries to meet everyone's needs, they're going to um, one burn out and and just like a, a lot of. Are we still good? Yep. Okay. I think, I think that it opens the door for um, boundaries to be questioned or questionable. And um, I'm sure a lot of people are not going to like me saying that, just, just that statement alone. But I do think that it allows for, um, you know, you, you are able to then like 
well, maybe this one time I'll do this one Swedish massage. I, I really want to do deep, deep tissue or, or the vice versa, whatever. Um, and I think that whenever you get really intent, like clear on your intention, that's going to be really helpful so that you're not collecting people that clients that you don't want to see um, or experiences you don't want to have. We talked briefly before the podcast about whether we were going to mention the respect massage movement, and I think that's the, the, the gist. That's the thrust is we want the public to respect massage and respect the fact that we provide a service that's not sexual. Mm-hmm. And I think there's value in that on the one hand, while at the same time, you know, I have to tell students in class this, I'm like, there is an entire subcategory of porn videos on Pornhub under the massage moniker. It's like this is a systemic cultural issue. It's not going to completely go away. Yes, we want the public to respect massage and respect massage therapists, either as you know, body workers, healthcare providers, however they're labeled in their communities. But at the same time, Johns cannot necessarily go out and purchase the service that they actually want legally. And that's a weird spot. So for instance, I will often ask this in class to try to stimulate thought. Why are chiropractors or physical therapists or personal trainers not confused as sex workers? Well, I think a lot of it it goes into what you were saying earlier about um, if, if sex work or prostitution was legal. Um, they could use the word prostitution or sex work or whatever words they want to use, and they would wouldn't have to use the word massage. Um, that's a good place to start. <laughs> I, I think fundamentally, when I look at personal trainers, physical therapists, chiropractors, in all three of those instances, you can perform that work publicly. It's clothed, and it doesn't involve nudity necessarily or privacy. Once you add nudity and you add privacy, unfortunately, women, I have to figure out a way to help keep women safe. It's an an increasing issue. This is is something that I've been becoming privy to lately, too, is that um, if you think about it, there is no other profession. I'd love to hear if you know of a different profession that is like this. There's no other profession that is not... We are adjacent to healthcare, right? We are not doctors. We are not um, nurses. We are massage therapists. And there's no other profession that you voluntarily go to take off your clothes and and you're in a private room. You know, there's nothing else like that. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right that all those other things can be done publicly. Now, I do a lot of public massage with clothes on as well. And, um, I do think that that makes a big difference. Now, if we're talking about the massage therapist, who's, who's not niched in the way that we are, um, or, or the one who's just like seeing whoever, I think that that's where it gets really murky because how, how do you explain what you're doing without publicly doing it? You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, the thing is, the whole way that I get my colleagues and students to win is I keep stressing they have to take out their phone and they have to show people what we do. I'll ask massage therapists in class, who's the most famous massage therapist in America? And they go, huh? 
Well, they're like Eric Dalton. And I'm like, okay, no, he's famous within like massage circles. Right. But the most famous massage therapist in America is Phoebe from Friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why is because it's a nationally syndicated show and people see Phoebe and she's singing songs about a smelly cat and she works as a massage therapist in New York. Massage therapists have the power through distribution and social media to change the public's perception about massage and body work by unleashing a slew of content related to like, this is what I do. Even if it's table cream, glide and nudity, even if it looks more like what the consumer thinks of as massage, women in our industry get a chance to show off what they do specifically and talk about their level of professionalism, whatever niche you know they're, they're inhabiting. I usually try to get women as much as possible to just build their practices and build it to the point where you can't even see new clients. Real success so that I think some of that is minimized. Um, you know, people, in my opinion, probably don't go to a massage envy looking for any sort of sex, sexual service. Uh, if you work at a massage envy, you can tell me otherwise, because I think they understand that it's a large corporation and that there are policies in place against those things. People are probably more likely to try stuff with somebody who's an independent or sole practitioner. Yeah, I would I would think so too. I mean, I don't I don't have a whole lot of experience with the corporate chain places, but I would think that. Yeah. Um It's interesting the, to think about Phoebe being the like the person who represents us. It would be really well, nice if we could like change that a little bit. <laughs> And, here, and here's what happens, and this is why, you know, people will get frustrated by my opinions. And listen, it's an opinion. Like, I mean, I could be wrong. We can debate it. I'm happy, I'm happy to have those discussions, and I'm trying to uplift the industry as a whole, including the women who are within our industry. Um, it gets to the situation where there's never been, in my experience, a crossover massage therapist. Imagine, you know, my status as an educator and therapist growing to the point where you were on Oprah. You were hanging out with Dr. Phil. You were hanging out with Dr. Oz. You were hanging out with Elon Musk. You were hanging out with Joe Rogan on his podcast. Then people start to look at massage therapists differently. The problem is we're just cloistered in our own little world. Um, yeah. The, the larger marketplace, or one of the reasons I continue to release video is because it changes the public's perception of what massage is and diversifies the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do we know any massage therapists who, who've been on Oprah? It's so interesting because the we tend, I don't, I'm not saying that this is me, but we, we as a collective tend to travel alongside those people who are on Oprah, you know, like we often look up to, um, I don't know, Ram Dass or like, you know, Brene Brown or whatever. Um, but we keep ourselves still down below them, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we're in a, we're in a service industry, you know, like who's the crossover bartender? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, as the service industry, who's the, the crossover waiter? You know, it's a service industry. I think that may have something to do with it. I just understood at some point that as a male therapist with a niche client base, I was trying to create and do perform a different service. 
it was to my financial benefit to be able to put out as much content and video related to that. Uh, women in particular, because they make up a large portion of massage consumers, women would get sessions with me. And I always tell this story. A young lady came and got a session. Um, she said, we were like 30 minutes into our session. And she said, you know, I was afraid you might be a serial killer. And I went, well, I mean, I still could be, you know, I watch a lot of Dexter, there could be Visqueen in the other room or, you know, whatever. And I was like, so what got you over the hump? Like, you know, you found me online and she's like, oh, Robert, I I watched like 10 of your YouTube videos. It was obvious that you were a consummate professional and I have a home studio. Like people have to trust me. I was using social media and even this podcast to build trust and rapport so that people felt comfortable booking a session so that my business could grow. Well, that's what I was going to ask too, is like, well, you know, I think that one of the questions that massage therapists are asking maybe in their head or whatever is like, how do you build a practice that way? How do you build a practice that you're so busy you can't take any more, any more clients? And that's, that's winning. Yeah. And I think that, I think that one of the the things to answer that question is ask some more questions, like ask more damn questions. People like you said, you just said that to that client, like, well, what makes you think that I'm not a serial killer still? Like you didn't have to ask that question, but you did and good for you. (laughs) And I see that so often with massage therapists and my students where they want to know this information, but they don't go ask for it. So, Go ask, go ask the question that you want to know the answer to. If you want to know how people found you, ask them that on the intake form. If you want to know why they come to you versus the other massage therapists on the street, ask them that. Like, ask the damn question, people. <laughs> well, we'll take a quick break. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner, and I wanted you to know about our workbooks and DVDs available at robertgardnerwellness.com in our store. We have 700 pages of sequence manuals and nine DVDs of core content and time massage. I'm showing you work on a table, work on a mat, client care, a little bit of philosophy and background on me uh, rolled in. It's really innovative work that's going to help your practice thrive. You can purchase that on the website, and in addition, we have a vault with four 150 hours of my class recordings uh, that's available to you for free for your first month and after six months you will get six hours of ce credit as long as you are subscribed you can unsubscribe at any time but i have a vested interest in getting that material into your hands again you can find both of those at robertgardnerwellness.com Hey y'all, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Show. Thank you guys for tuning in and watching. We much appreciate it. If you're watching on Facebook, you might be seeing the the link to the upcoming advanced abdominal and psoas uh, class. You can go directly through that uh, that event right there and get tickets to the event uh, on the rgwellness.store if you're, if you're in the Austin area or if you want to travel here. Also, in addition to that, we have the Fort, uh, what is it again? Robert Fort uh, 
Fort Smith, Arkansas, and Dallas classes listed on rgwellness.store. So if you want to go over there and take a look at those, go to the classes tab and take advantage of that. So back to Robert and Sarah in the studio. Go ahead and introduce yourself, and I want to go back to that questioning thing you mentioned. Um, again, I'm Sarah Newberry. I um, am I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm a continuing education provider, and I own a, a studio of W-2 employees. And I mostly do barefoot massage. Nice. So when it comes to questioning, I, I think maybe uh, this gets stuck in your craw, much like it does for me, Sarah. We're both educators. And as educators, that's a very different role than just being a therapist, just seeing clients. Being an educator, working with other colleagues, we talked about people asking questions. I think fundamentally, part of the reason you and I connect, other than the fact that you're also a Taurus, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, I, recognize, I recognize my kind. We've had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I think also, as entrepreneurs, we're trying to do something different, and we're trying to build our own businesses. That's a very different skill than just being a service provider. And part of that continual asking of questions and refining uh, templates, contracts, refining uh, processes to make businesses scalable is we are forced to ask good questions. Many people in school, educational system, not just massage, the educational system itself is not designed for 2020 information distribution. People are not being taught to ask questions. They were taught to like, you do what we tell you to do in this particular framework and my entire educational career. There's a reason I was a philosophy student. I don't conform to cubicles very well. Right. Same. (laughs) Yeah. And asking questions is just getting more consumer feedback to be able to try to conserve to try to serve those consumers better. The asking questions in uh, avoiding people who are looking for sexual services is gleaning enough information from the client to go, oh, hey, listen, you're looking for a sexual service. That's not what we provide here. Right. Yeah. I also think that um, the question asking comes from being an educator too because I, in my classes, I'm not just going to give you the information. I want you to find the information for yourself. That that, that is much more gratifying for your for your own self and your own education. So, if you ask me a question, I'm probably going to ask you a question back. Um, uh oh. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We got to go into this. Go ahead. One of the things being is that I want you to start thinking critically about what you're doing, and this goes with pain relief too. You know, I was part of a conversation recently where um, there was a student who asked a question about a pain-related thing and why is this working this way? And I'm going to return that question with, well, what do you think is happening and why do you think that's happening? And then we can go through, like, physiologically, anatomically, you know, whatever, and we can figure out from a critical thinking standpoint what's maybe happening or what's not happening. The, the answering a question with a question has made students in my classes angry. Oh, yes. They, oh. they want, they absolutely want, and this is infuriating to me, they want the guru to dispense the truth. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not what this is. 
Yes. Like I'm one of your, like, yeah, I'm the teacher, but I'm one of your colleagues. Uh-huh. In fact, we're going to get to a point very quickly where I'm going to show you, okay, this is what I think may be happening. This is what I actually find in clinical experience. Now, what's your experience in your practice and what do you know about the anatomy and physiology of pain? And then um, we have questions. This, this is something else that we could have a whole entire podcast about too, with just like the way research, the way massage therapy and research work together, the people who are really toting the idea of research and the pieces that they're missing. Um, And really it comes down to, you know, when you're in a room by yourself with a client, you have to be able to think about what you need to do or don't do. And you need to be able to see the whole picture of what's going on with them from a health perspective so that you can make a critical thought about what to do or not do. So if I'm just like dispensing answers, how is that going to help you in that moment? I mean, I don't have students texting me from the treatment room going this. I mean, I do have students texting me sometimes from like, I have this client coming in, what should I do? And I'm still going to return that with a question. What do you think you should do? Or, you know, because I mean, that's not what I'm here for. (laughs) You know, I'm here, I'm here to teach you how to think for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. A a student in class will ask me, you know, I have a client with elbow pain. How do I deal with it? And then I have to go, okay, so where on their elbow do they feel pain? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so we need to find out, are they doing something that's causing repetitive strain? Are they a pitcher? You know, are they doing, are they a cook or a chef and they're using their arms in a certain way? Where are they feeling pain? Right. The students automatically seem confused because they want me to teach theory. And the theory that I teach is very simple at this stage. And I go, listen, here's the basics. Are you ready? We deliver a unique stimulus into people's nervous system. And their nervous system responds, hopefully with rest and relaxation and a decrease in pain. You know, but you'll notice I didn't say what that unique input was. Is it effleurage? Is it compression? Is it traction? Is it stretching? Is it mobilization? I'm not answering that question because it depends on the client. And that is completely infuriating to students who just want a sequence. They want a scale. And and it's like, this is not how jazz works. Each situation is going to be different. And what I keep trying to stress, even in my online training, is one, you have to be able to deliver good body work, but you have to be able to make eye contact and connect with the client. You need to be able to glean information in that intake, not just from the forms, but actually asking Sarah, where where are you feeling pain in your hip? What's going on? Does it hurt more when you sit or when you stand? I'm just trying to glean more information to possibly be able to help them. The other part that comes out of that is I feel like the clients trust me more and the sessions go better, not because of the body work. Um, I heard David Lauderstein say this one time. There was a research study done and the number one factor that determined how much the client improved from a massage was how the client feels about the therapist. Oh, yeah, I dig that. Yeah, yeah. And you can you can control, like not necessarily control it, but you can manipulate that. You know, if you're having a bad day or if you're not asking the questions, they're going to feel a certain way. 
Bedside manner. Um, Doctors who have notoriously poor bedside manner have more lawsuits against them statistically because the clients feel like they were not heard, not listened to the patients. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, our industry is complex. We have to connect with people. We have to nurture people. We have to create safe space while at the same time, um, especially with women, keeping women safe as therapists. So there's a lot of complexity that goes along with that. What I do is I do encourage critical thinking in my classes. And I don't remember ever having, you know, anyone uh, I, I don't get angry at people because they question what I say. I'm like, ooh, I, I just, I'm like, you're questioning what I say? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, yeah. and also knowing when to say, like, you know, there, the research doesn't prove this yet, or we don't know exactly, but we know that our client feels good, or, or you know, when to know, when to say you don't know, and when to refer yeah. out to someone else. Yep, Absolutely. So, Sarah, any closing comments? And again, where can they find your website, training materials, uh, or on social media? Um, yeah. So, uh, I, as far as closing thoughts, um, I would encourage everyone to continue the conversation, create more conversation with each other. Um, please, please send me a private message. I would love to debate, chat talk, whatever. Um, you can find me on Facebook, me personally at Sarah Newberry LMT. Um, you can find my, my company soul shine massage or soul shine barefoot massage. And then, um, you can find my training materials, uh, at mwmassagetraining.com or Missouri barefoot massage training on Facebook and Instagram. It, please connect with me. I'd love to hear, even if you don't like what I have to say, bring it on. <laughs> nice so sarah thank you so much for coming on the podcast if you have ideas for other future podcasts please let me know i assume this is going to be an ongoing conversation and you just as much as me we can take little snippets of information and really delve into different topics that are of value to our colleagues yes uh thank you so much and i'll talk to you again soon thank you